welcome to New Zealand Vegan Podcast. This is episode 30 and I'm your host Elizabeth Collins and I have a very, very special guest, Adam Kahanowitz. Uh, we finally managed to um, do this interview that, I've been, that we've been trying to do for ages and ages. Hi Adam and thanks for coming on the show and welcome. Hi Elizabeth. I'm just fired up to do this interview and just to talk about animal rights and veganism with you. So thanks for having me on. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad to have you on. So can you just tell me a little bit about yourself? Um, I know you do Vegan FM. I know you do, you write for the um, Vegan Examiner. I'd love to just hear your background and how you got involved in all this. Well, uh, right now it's, I'm kind of trying to whittle it down to one or maybe just like two things that I'm just working on right now. And I'm not even near that number, but it just started with me trying to kind of do everything, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, I just put a lot on my plate, um, for better or worse, and uh, and I was trying to, um, you know, do podcasts and write and, and just try to get uh, find my voice in the movement, and uh, that's that's still going on. But, um, yeah, right now I'm, I'm having some luck writing for a website called examiner.com, which I think is just in the United States, but I am the National Vegan Examiner. I started as the Omaha Vegan Examiner for uh, Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, I just I just asked, like, hey, can I be national? And they're like, yeah, and uh, so I'm national, and uh, I try to, you know, the funny thing is, an examiner, I'm put in the food and drink category, you know, which is kind of like, ugh, veganism is just a food and drink thing, you know, so... <laughs> Do you think that they'll you'll be able to tell them, hey, it's more of a philosophy? It's more. Oh, you know, they're actually, yeah, they're very cool at Examiner. Um, I pretty much write. I, I, you know, try to keep things in quality and um, research things fairly well. And uh, I mean, it is. I'm just like writing every day. So, um, and and yeah, I've I've never heard any sort of. I mean. The only thing I've ever heard in the form of like a complaint or something is like, oh, you might want to, I don't know, make your image smaller so it loads better. But no, they're, they're very cool there, and they let me um, be uh, very upfront about veganism being an animal rights issue. And I write about the abolitionist approach and Gary Francione, and uh, I guess I have a sort of a drive to put stuff out there that's not already out there. Because I just I, I've seen too many of the cooking shows and like the just just stuff that people have already done before and and that's awesome like more power to them but I'm just thinking like okay like what what else like what else is left to do and so that's what I'm trying to do with yeah. the examiner. I love your articles on the examiner um, and I'm so Thank glad you. that I well they're fantastic because they are very you know you're right um, this this is the one thing that people have seemed to have shied away from and it's very frustrating to any of us who are really trying to get the message out there that veganism is the moral baseline for the animal well it should be the moral baseline for the animal rights movement they're not two separate things they're I mean they're intertwined so I think you're doing a really important thing and I, I love I love the articles that you're doing and um, I'm just curious to know um, how you got uh, you know what was your sort of introduction to this um, world you know when you went vegan um, how did you get this point of view? Um, and also, um, if there's any way to just give out the website so that people can go there and read your articles, that would be great too. Um, I don't know if there's like a really short way to give out the address. I, I would just Google 
Adam Vegan Examiner, maybe. Okay. And because uh, because it, it's like examiner.com slash like robot code, you know, like four eight five two one six happy okay. face, like you know. So it's one of those links. So um, I just probably like register a domain, just like theveganexaminer.com, and just kind of put that out there. Have you got? If, if I was to put, if you were to give me the full link to your thing, and I put a link on my blog, and just put Adam's. Vegan, oh yeah, definitely. So just send me that, and I'll put it on my blog. You know, that kind of makes me think. I registered adamkahanowitz.com, not because I didn't want to do anything with it. It's just I didn't want someone else to, like, like find out about me and then, like, register the domain name before me and put up, like, a bunch of swastikas or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, let me just register it so nobody else can, like, I don't know, okay. put some bad stuff. Because, I don't know, people are out to get vegans, I think. <laughs> That's a very good point. I want to get into that, Adam, because I, I know recently we there was some discussion about this vegans versus vegetarians and how we're divisive. Yeah. And so I'd really love to talk about that because that was one of the things I was going to do on my next podcast as well. Because we're both trying to be effective activists. Um, we don't mm-hmm. want to alienate people. We want to bring people in. We want to open people up. And, and we do realize the intense amount of denial. And the longer I've been, now that I'm starting to, I was also intensely studying and I was sort of pretty much um, buried and all I was doing was my podcast and now that I'm listening to other podcasts out there I was listening to um, um, Colleen um, Patrick Goudreau and a lot of the Mm -hmm. stuff that I thought I discovered in my own mind you know people have been saying it for years you know like um, so I don't it's just funny when I listen to these other people I'm like oh she said what I said but I think it's actually very encouraging because it just shows that the the basic the basic premise is really the same it's not you know everybody's different and everybody has but we're basically it's very simple i find it very very simple and i know that people say look you know we have to get through the social conditioning and i think that's very very important but i'm listening to Mm -hmm. other people and i'm reading what other people have done and this has been done years before i started doing it and they're saying the things that i've discovered and i hope that people listening um realize that we all we're all coming to this because it's just logical a result of what we're trying to do um but anyway I'm, i'm going off on a tangent um so how did you get involved with even doing this kind of writing and activism Boy, that's um, it, it's it's kind of a long story, and you know, you were talking a bit about um, the movement and the animal rights movement, and and, and I think we abolitionists uh, pretty much agree that there really isn't an animal rights movement the way we would like to think of one, at least, um, in at least not in my country, um, and and I think I have some some of my own. These are just personal thoughts and my observations as soon as I became vegan and as soon as I, I really just plunged myself into, um, into as much culture as I could um, to learn about what vegans were doing and what vegans are, what animal rights is, and, and, and some of my observations on this. And I think I can, I can really give some people, uh, some of your listeners, some food for thought on wh- what it means to be active and be in the animal rights movement. Like, and what, what does that mean? Like, do, does that mean I put a bumper sticker on my car? Is that activism? You know, like, to, uh, I don't, if I bring vegan cookies to work, is that activism? I, I don't know. So, and this was a, this was a big um, question on my mind. When I first, as, as soon as I went vegan, I'm like, okay, well, now I'm vegan. What, like, what now? Like, PETA is telling me that I need to sign this petition and donate money. Is that, I mean, is that really activism? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so when I, when I, when I first went vegan, what, my first observation was that this idea of loving animals 
the public, like their their love of animals, their appreciation of animals, was was very skewed. And uh, this is something that Professor Francion calls moral schizophrenia. And and I I observe this a lot with like pet owners. Um, because there's this thing called like a responsible breeder, you know, and I think there's even like a responsible breeder association mm. and, uh, you know, people say how they love animals and then they'll pick up their purebred chihuahua and say like, see, this is little Mikey and I love him so much. I just love him. And, and it's moments like these that I think, I don't think people love animals. I think people love the way they customize them. Oh, wow. And it's a little frightening to think of it that way. You know, and like when people say, you know, like, oh, you're a vegan. Well, I just love the taste of some cow and stuff like that. And, and even then, it's just, it's like this customized animal. We've, we've picked it up out of the wild and created it into a food animal, like literally been genetically manipulated. Um, but, but more importantly is the mindset. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to this later because um, it's important we, we distinguish that like simply just going vegan is not, I have to be careful when I say this, but it's um, it, it doesn't do much to change your diet if you're not changing your mind, I guess what I would say. Okay, so, all right, but the actual act of a vegan who is a fully vegan, who does pay attention to the ingredients, who does um, not purchase anything at all to the best of their ability, and is still better than not being, I mean, it does oh, do yeah. something. But, but say, for instance, that vegan, you know, they're, they're, they're an animal rights person and they, um, you know, they're, they're reading their ingredients and, and they're very educated. But if, if they're not, well, I mean, if they're, if they're not changing their mind, if they're not um, bringing their children into this world under these same kinds of ideas, then over time they die and, and that their part of the movement kind of dies with them. And, uh, and, and that's just a microcosm of how culture is transmitted, you know, culture is transmitted to our children and that sort of thing. So, but there's also a horizontal transmission and that's just vegan campaigning and animal rights campaigning. But, um, I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but, uh, it, there's a confusion in uh, the animal rights movement, um, or the lack thereof, which is that, um, it, it's a very new thing. Um, I mean, the, the word vegan was coined in, I think it was 1945, was it? 1944. 1944, times, you know. Uh, that, that's something I should just, like, know, you know. It was, yeah, it was coined in 1944, and it wasn't, it wasn't really that long ago. And, uh, and, and so this veganism thing is a new thing. It's still being chiseled away, and there's all these um, different kinds of, like, nonprofit organizations that are trying to, to stake their claim into it and call themselves the leader of it. But the animal rights movement, it has no leader. There is no leader of the animal rights movement, like, let alone whether or not there is an animal rights movement. And... I want to comment on a couple of things. First of all, thank you for that new perspective, Adam, because when I heard that veganism was invented in 1944, I grew very impatient and said, what is going on? It's been around for ages. But I guess you're right. In the history of humans, it's not. It's very, very new. So good point. Thanks for that. And also, I'm going to, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to say that. And also, you said there is no leader. Um, do you think we need a leader? Because I don't. I don't think we do. I think I think Gary's right. If anybody's going to be a leader, we'd all want him to be it, and he absolutely flat out refuses. Well, yeah, and and, and you know, and Gary really pushes for this idea that like it's going to happen in the grassroots movement. Now, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if we need a leader. I don't really want to say that we do, but I know that, that we don't have one, and we don't have these uh, the, the kind of people who are supposedly viewed as like the, the 
the figureheads of the animal rights movement are just I, I don't want to even go into it. But we all it's know. something you know, you've covered it in your show and I would yeah. just kind of be Yeah. 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 And uh you know, a little more with these observations is um I had to tackle this idea of superiority because sometimes my idea with animal rights was just met with a response of, for instance, I was in France and uh, and and this woman told me, "Mais les animaux sont inférieurs aux humains." Like animals are just inferior to humans. Period. Like I don't, what I don't even know how to respond to that. And and I just got to thinking about it. I was like, it, it, like inferior. What does that even mean? It's like saying, you know, Elizabeth, I'm more than you. <laughs> It doesn't like what does that even mean? It, like more what? Like animals are inferior, inferior computer makers? Oh yeah, <laughs> humans are far superior computer makers and iPod buyers and like, like what you know? Yeah. But I I can catch the gist of that kind of idea and uh, and I can see a lot of people nodding their heads with that idea and what I came to was that there's a lot of talk about how humans are superior uh, based on all the ways humans are different from the animals. But if humans are superior, it's because of our ability to draw compassion from the ways in which we're not different. You know, you can look at an animal and say they can't solve a math problem or play a video game or, or whatever we are, you know, drawing differences about. But as soon as you cause pain to that individual or take their babies away or, or put them in any sort of situation of suffering, I see no difference from a human and an animal. There's, not, there's no issue of superiority there. No animal suffers more intelligently than another animal. I guess the, the next observation I made was that just the omnipotence of the animal industry, that it's just everywhere. And I, I know that's, that's kind of obvious, you know, that, it, that it's just everywhere, but it's also very subtle, too. You know, it's not just like the animal products at the grocery store and that sort of thing, but it's also like the person who thinks they love their animal because they have Mikey the Chihuahua and they love him so much. It, you know, it, it's those are very subtle things about how we, we don't really understand that we just think of animals as things. And, um, I, and I talked a little bit about the, the activism and um, the, the most prominent thing with, with activism now or what is called activism is that vegans are told to do two things to be active. And this is mainly like a welfareist thing. A lot of welfareists push these two things. First one is donate, and the second one is sign a petition. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I don't want to, you know, put down... There, there's definitely some good petitions and some good donations to make. Like, for instance, I like to donate to a few causes, like the Peaceful Prairie Sanctuary, um, and, you know, uh, there's probably a few good petitions out there, I suppose, you know, Friends of Animals does a lot of work with the abolition of um, horse carriages in New York and that sort of thing. But, okay, so I'm like a new vegan and I'm seeing these things and I'm just like, is really, like, this is the animal rights movement? You know, like, this is totally new to me. Like, we, how long are we going to, like, when are we going to sign the last petition? And, like, when is, um, you know, PETA going to give me that last newsletter that says, oh, thanks, we got, we got all our money. Like, we're good. <laughs> it's like, where are we going to go from here? And and this is pre-Francian. This is before I discovered Francian. And, and he kind of, you know, his his work explains things to me. I'm like, okay, that that makes a little more sense, you know. And uh, you know, to put it in a nutshell. Okay, cool. So so this was you mentioned before that when you went vegan, you traveled around. Is this what you're saying when you went to? Can you tell us a little bit about that? You said you went to Europe. Yeah. So uh, you know, I wanted to. 
know what some, no one seemed to know, which was how to respond. You see animal suffering, you see there's injustice, and et cetera, et cetera. But, but then what do you do? Because after that, it just seemed like a lot of confusion to me. So what I did is I, I quit my job. I took a messenger bag, I took a backpack with me, and I bought a ticket to Europe. And so I spent about two and a half months there and lived on my savings account. I used um, couch surfing, which I should really plug. That's an awesome, if you ever go traveling and you're like, daring, you know, use couch surfing. You can sleep on people's couches for free. Um, meet, you know, you meet a lot of great people too. Um, and so I went, I started in Chicago um, and then I went to, and actually that's, I met the vegan freaks before even like getting an account on the vegan freaks forum or really even learning what vegan freaks was or reading the book or anything. I, I went in Chicago and I just kind of like ran into this big uh, vegan freaks meetup in Chicago and we just went to like vegan restaurants and diners and that sort of thing. So definitely a good start to the trip. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. I went to uh, England, Germany, Sweden, uh, France. I spent most of the time in, in France. And, and what I was doing there was trying to just find anybody who calls himself an animal something, like an animal activist of any kind. And, uh, and that included welfareists. And, and, and the reason was simply that I'm just, I'm not trying, I wasn't trying to discriminate. I just wanted to hear, I was in like a learning mode. I wanted to know what, what are you doing? Like you, you there, you call yourself an activist. What are you doing? I just want to know. And, you know, maybe they're making t-shirts or maybe they're actually going and doing like in England, they did hunt sabbing, which is hunt sabotage where they, um, blow horns and put scents in the woods or that sort of thing to deter hunting dogs uh, from people who are hunting the foxes. And the, the purpose of all that observation is to see like what, what is working because I know there's a lot of uh, BS out there and uh, I'm just trying to find those groups that are simply you know printing off pamphlets and pretty pictures not really not really accomplishing much I'm sorry to say and uh, and then the other ones who are, I don't know, actually changing minds with people and that sort of thing. But, but simply an observation mode. That's fascinating. So this is even before you discovered abolitionist approach methods and you'd only heard of PETA and you hadn't even known that Vegan Freaks was abolition. You just... Well, actually, I, this was... Um, I, I had been educated in the abolitionist approach minimally at this point. Um, Okay, but you still had an open mind. You were willing to go out and talk to people in Europe and say, hey, what are you guys doing? Is it working kind of thing? Not even with any kind of preconceived... Right, I guess it's a scientist to me. You know, I'm just trying to take the objective approach. And uh, if, I, if I do believe in something so much, then the truth will defend itself. And, and that's what I did. And so, you know, and, and so I, in my travels, I, I met with um, animal rights groups. I even went to like these animal rights camps where we just like sleep in campgrounds and that sort of stuff. And uh, I visited the vegan society, the actual, you know, uh, society, which is now in Birmingham, England. Um, I guess I called it my kind of like vegan pilgrimage and a lot of nice people out there. Uh, I met, um, I can't, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, but Peter from Sea Shepherd. Uh, He's a Swedish guy with glasses. If you ever watch Whale Wars, I don't, I don't know if you get it in New Zealand, but um, you know, I met him. Uh, I I went to some protests, and uh, I had the opportunity to lecture. I don't even know what I lectured on. Wow, I, that's so well, great. Well, you know, I was staying with this this Swedish group called the Jurets Alliance, and 
which is Swedish for Animal Rights Alliance. And they're like, okay, you know, give a talk, you know, and, and, and they fed me some awesome vegan cupcakes and like <laughs> all my meals were free and it was at this camp. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It, cool. I, I didn't really know my audience when I came up there. I'm just like, well, I'm this guy from Omaha and I'm a vegan <laughs> and, uh, you know. <laughs> oh, that's so cool though. I don't know anybody who's had this story. I had no idea you did this. This is so cool. And, uh, I guess people like to hear about my brush with Peter Singer. Yeah, I'd like to hear about that. <laughs> you know, Peter Singer, of course, the author of uh, Animal Liberation. And uh, I have a, this friend, uh, David Pierce, a uh, really nice guy. He's he's what you call a negative utilitarian. I, I, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure he's not an abolitionist, but, you know, friend of mine. Um, and, and he said, oh, you know, Peter Singer's going to be at this conference. You should come see him speak. And I'm like, oh, you know, oh, just come and see, you know, just be something to do. And I'm like, all right, but, you know, come see him speak. And I thought, you know, Peter Singer, he's pretty well known. I thought it'd be like a kind of like a big lecture hall. And it was actually just like a very small room. And, you know, there's an audience there. And he, he's going on and on about, it, it just seemed like this whole like apology lecture, like, okay, here's why you should probably go vegan, but I understand if you don't want to, and maybe go go vegetarian. Well, I understand if you don't want to do that. You should be a conscientious omnivore. Like, well, I understand if you don't want to do that. Just be a, a conscientious pedophile. You know, it's, okay, I, that's, that's bad. I'm like, that's slander. But it, it was just, I'm just showing how sitting in the back of that room, I was just like, oh, my God. And so, you know, there's a question and answer time, like raising my hand. I wanted to talk to him and, and, you know, I was in the back and he could see me. And so I just like walked up kind of to the front, but to the side, you know, as if I didn't have a seat, I couldn't find a seat or something, kind of raised my hand and he called on me. And I called him out on this interview he did in uh, Mother Jones, where he said that he is uh, a flexible vegan and that, you know, when he's at people's houses, he doesn't want to be rude. And so, you know, he'll indulge in a, you know, indulge in a vegetarian diet and, and that sort of thing. And, and, uh, you know, and he's going up there calling himself a vegan, but it was just the first thing that came to my mind. So then there was this discussion afterwards. I didn't even know about this, but most of the audience left, and then um, what was left was a group of uh, professors and authors and just a lot of animal welfare. And, and there was a small discussion afterwards. And uh, I don't... Uh, they, they let me join in the discussion, even though I hadn't, like, I wasn't on the VIP list or whatever, and I guess maybe just because I was friends with David. Poor David. I think I embarrassed him there because they very quickly learned after the the little discussion had started that I was not a welfare, <laughs> not a uni- utilitarian. And uh, Peter, I think, figured it out before them because he is sitting there looking at the floor with crossed arms, and he's just like, get me out of here. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to make the impression that I'm, like, bouncing off the walls and, like, I don't know, like, or, you know, I was very calm about it, but I, I just wasn't, uh, they accepted me to budge, I guess, and I wasn't budging. I was like, like look, I understand that everybody wants animals treat, be, to be treated better, but these reforms you're talking about, it's making the public feel better about exploiting animals. I think you're ignoring that part of it. You know, I'm just going on and on about this. Yay. And, uh... Yeah, you know, I, I kind of thought about, like, my abolitionist friends back home were like, yay, go That's get them. But, cool. <laughs> you know, I, but actually, there, there, were some, there were some nice people, and, um, you know, I got a lot of comments about how, like, well, I mean, don't you think we should have some damage control here and, and that sort of stuff? And uh, I, I don't know. 
I got a lot of silence met with some of my comments because I, w- I would say something about like the abolitionism and that sort of thing, and I, and I expected just a, a flurry of disagreement and stuff. But I, I recall there being like a lot of silence, which kind of scared me at first because I was like, oh, I'm making sense. <laughs> so, <laughs> Even I mean, from Peter Singer, there was silence, yeah. You know, and I'm not surprised by that because I, I, I approached Peter after his, his speech and I said, you know, hey, you know, hey, would you be interested in a uh, debate with Gary Francione? I, yeah, I just was curious, you know, I didn't, I wasn't like sent there by Gary or anything. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was just curious and uh, he said, well, no, because I don't think we should be infighting the movement and, you know, all that crap. So. So I'm not surprised. I think he was like trying to be Mr. Pacifist and just didn't want to discuss it. Meanwhile, I'm basically, he's giving me the uh, opportunity to completely unload the abolitionist approach to all these people <laughs> who are like his followers and stuff, which is fine. That's great. <laughs> That's so cool. What city was this? This was uh, Stockholm, Sweden. Wow. What year? Oh, um, it would have been 2008. That's yeah. so cool. Wow. So did, I mean, he's heard it before, though, is the thing. So he's obviously oh, yeah. not bothered, you know, by it. But the other people, do you think they'd ever heard it before? I, um, I didn't get, I don't know. I, I didn't get that impression from a lot of them because they had just, like, some of them, were, they said, like, I'm a vegetarian. Peter, I read your book. You inspired me. I'm a vegetarian. And, like, that was it. And I, I don't. I don't know if they they branched off, and uh, I, I you know I can't blame them for that because when I I started as a vegetarian and I started with Peter Singer, you know, and I was like, wow, this is great stuff, and I and I do recall the pages where he's like, well, you know, we could treat animals humanely, and that wouldn't be okay, and I'm like, huh, hmm, maybe uh, okay, and I just kind of glanced over that, but uh, oh, geez, I'm really diverging here. No, no, that's <laughs> I really wanted to hear that. I had no idea that you even did any of this, so this is really cool story. And I've never heard you talk about it or write about it so far. You haven't talked about it on, you know, the, I guess this is like for you, the history and people who know you know it. But I'm glad that I'm learning about this because that's really cool that you did this pilgrimage. You went to Europe. Um, so can you just say, did you find any abolitionist activity in any of these countries? Um, I I did. It was um, – part of it was just my – failure to really get out there and network very well uh, because I... Sounds um, to me you know, like I, you were doing a heck of a lot of networking, but that's just my observation. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess here and there, you know, I had some, some lucky breaks. and uh, but, but for instance, like when I went to England, the, like how do you... Okay, imagine you're going to a foreign country. Like, what is the first thing you do to find animal rights people? You know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, you know nobody there. That's, that was kind of my problem. And then also in England, a lot of them were, were the, the type of animal rights activists, if I can say that, who didn't put up a Facebook profile or, like, make, put their picture anywhere on the Internet. You know, like, if they're hunt sappers, they don't want to be known. So that just kind of added an extra layer of difficulty. So um, I, I was happy to, uh, when I was in France, we would have these discussions at this um, animal rights camp and, uh, and they had some varied views there and they handed out a pamphlet that said, um, which means abolish meat, which kind of made me slap my throat. I'm like, okay, abolish meat. Right. Um, abolish animal use while you're at it. Um, and then there's this guy there. He was just 
unloading Francione and everybody is like, oh, you got to hear this guy Francione and Francione, Francione, Francione. And this guy didn't speak any English. And I'm, I'm wondering, how does he know? And I, and I realized this is like very, um, this was very recently when uh, Francione's blog was being translated into, Fran- and into French by, um, her name's Valérie something. Facebook friends with her, she's gonna kill me. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm like, wow, cool. You know, I got translated into French, and like here I am experiencing it. So cool. I can see a, a tiny influence in, in in France, but awesome. This is the beginning. We know that. Yeah, you know, and and that's when I came back from this trip. I came back with a lot of hope, and some of that hope is that vegans are everywhere. We just have like this mindset that okay, there's like what one percent of the population is vegan. Well, yeah, but they're everywhere. I mean, any European country has vegans. I, I mean, I've heard I've talked with vegans from Africa, like African countries. You know, they're vegans like surely in every state of the United States. There was this girl I met. Um, she actually, I, she registered on my on my website, and we were talking, and she's like, oh, I'm from Spiro, Oklahoma. And uh, if you've never heard of Spiro, Oklahoma, it's because it's, I mean, it's like 1,000 people or maybe more, but it's a very small city. And I was just like, wow, really? It's like, I need to meet you. And so I took a road trip to Oklahoma. It was like, I don't know, eight hours away or something. And, and we just hung out. We hung out in, uh, you know, the Spiro, Oklahoma. It's like on the border of uh, Arkansas and like the Fort, Fort Worth, Fort something. A lot of, there's a lot of forts there and, and I just wanted, I just met her and we spent like a day together just because I wanted to ex- her to explain to me like what it was like to be vegan in a small town and um, and, and that's kind of one of the moments where it hit me where I'm like, why are we so afraid of our own lifestyle? Like why, you know, why do we say things, maybe not you and me, but why do we say things like, well, vegetarianism is too hard for people, Let's, or veganism is too hard for people. It's just, are you kidding me? There's vegans everywhere. There's just like, or, or I was told at this uh, this conference that I was telling you about that the, the, this welfare idea that this guy had was that first we need to get people going vegetarian, and we need to do like welfare laws and that sort of thing, and then and by the way the, the, those two words and then is when you really know you're you're getting a load of BS okay because <laughs> it's like the slippery slope that it, it's like I'm making a slippery slope argument so it's like okay and then. It says, and then we'll like have so many vegetarians that we'll just like have a critical mass or some something like where then they'll go vegan and like there's just so many of them. I'm like, look, dude, if if you're waiting for them to, there to be enough vegans to do something, it's come and gone. It's here, you know. We have vegans. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool to hear. You're right. There is vegans everywhere. We have a yeah. vegan in Invercargill in New Zealand. Believe me. There's um, Jordan is a vegan in Invercargill. And I believe, and this is a town of, well, I don't even know. I mean, it's a, there's something like 10 slaughter, like uh, it's all just, you know, that's it. And he figured it out. So he's spreading the vegan message down there. So I think you're right. And there's vegans in Japan. There's vegans in China. People have these. I think a lot of prob- a lot of problems with people is also a lot of people are still prejudiced and they still haven't gotten over their xenophobia and racism to even realize that, hey, not all Chinese people skin dogs alive, okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you look at like, the ancient Chinese culture and you'll see centuries of vegan um, diets. Um, of course, they weren't called by that name, but you know, the, it, it's kind of funny how nowadays the um, 
the idea has flipped where um, in poorer nations, like if you go to third world countries, if you're poor, you're like a vegan. And if you're eating any meat, it's, it's like in little tiny little strips in your, in your food because like meat is expensive. Yet, at least in my country, we've been able to flip-flop that through factory farming and make meat just like the cheapest thing and, you know, vegetables and fruit really expensive for some reason. Yeah, and then everybody says veganism is so expensive and, like, I'm trying to learn about all those those kinds of things as well. But um, I, just, I think that's so cool that you did this um – that you did this thing. So, so after you went to Europe and you and you got got in your head straight, what what was your impression in general? My impression was that veganism is the verb of animal rights. That's the single most important response, and uh, that is the question that I set out to solve. Um, I came out and I said, okay, yeah, I I'm going to do this. I am an animal rights person. I'm a vegan. Now, what do I need to do? And the clearest message to me was veganism. And so my response was that I'm. You know, I'm going to go back and for the rest of my life, I'm going to um, focus on vegan education with the abolitionist approach. I found, you know, and like I said, I, I clearly looked at as many approaches as I could. Um, and I just found that to be the most elegant. Like that one made sense. That, that one, if, if any of them makes sense, if any of them will work, that one will, that one will work. That one will actually lead to, um, you know, that, that's only one that can be animal rights um, that I've found so far. Um, and, and I also wanted to come back with a, a drive, not just to kind of like turn people vegan, like get, you know, toss them a vegan cookbook and say, you know, eat a vegan diet. Um, that's not enough. You know, it, it, it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't really do any good to change someone's diet if you don't change their mind. Um, and, and you, I don't know if you've ever done like a show on like the eco vegan thing or, you know, like the, I'm just still purely dietary learning about it all. So I, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I'm still figuring that out. I'm tr- I'm, I would like to you to talk a little bit more about what you mean when you say that don't, what's the point in changing their diet if you don't change their mind? Because I never even thought about it that way. As far as I was concerned, the only way to change their diet was to change their mind. So, oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, and that, that actually you're on the right track there. Um, from from what I believe, which is just that you know, if you look at someone who is what a, what is called an eco vegan, which is someone who is simply a vegan for environment for environmental reasons. Um, Bob Torres, a, a vegan freak, said it pretty well. I think I think he was the original person who said this, but he said, like being against the animal industry, and this is not a direct quote, by the way. Um, being against the animal industry because it's bad for the environment is like being against the Holocaust because the concentration camp trains emitted too much carbon gas or something. You know, it's it's like, you know, you kind of, you see how morbid that is there. Or it's like being, you know, against pedophilia because you find out that a lot of pedophiles don't recycle. It doesn't, and, you know, I can hear people saying like, well, okay, but, you know, at least they went vegan. And And I can say that, I find that the eco-vegan is like the slipperiest vegan Um, because as soon as you, I mean, it goes for anything that's not like an ethical vegan because, okay, if you're an eco-vegan, what happens when you're handed um, a slab of meat that's going to be thrown away anyway, or a, um, or like a leather jacket or a, uh, some, some sort of animal product that is marketed to be eco-friendly, you know, 
is it eco-vegan to eat that, you know? Or more importantly, what are you telling people? What are you mm -hmm. teaching people about veganism? Bingo. Uh, you know, that's, that's, I can see your point there. Um, I haven't even met any, <laughs> well, eco, eco, um, we have all these subsets of things and we have to like, you know, put labels on things and um, I hate putting labels on things, but I constantly use the label abolitionist because if I'm going to be labeled anything at all, that's what I want to be labeled. You know, first of all, I want to be labeled vegan. Second, I want to be labeled abolitionist. So eco-vegans, do you think that they would be just the same as the general public when it comes to trying to, to teach about the ethics of veganism? Do you know what I mean? Are you up against the same doctrine? I mean, it's, it's definitely better to be an eco-vegan than an omnivore, I guess, like in the immediate present. Right, but with but, regard to changing minds, with regard to getting through to them that this is what really counts. Yeah, see, that's a good question, is because like, if you're an eco-vegan, I, I don't think you're really changing society, really. I mean, you might be showing off the vegan diet, which, I don't know, maybe that's good, I guess. But are you doing anything to change the gears of culture? Like, are you, is it really like changing people's minds and if you haven't even changed your own mind are you still thinking i mean i think an ego vegan can still think of animals as property as yeah that, you that, that they're and, superior that they're still superior that that humans are superior and animals are lesser and exactly we can, we can choose just as uh just as people say we can choose to use them nicer eco vegans say we can choose not to use them because it's bad for our environment but are they saying that we have no right to use them. I mean, I truly believe we have no right to use them, whether we can or not. Uh, do you think that's the difference? Right. I mean, it, 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 it leaves like an open door for um, the people who are the like animal, I don't know, I want to say slave owners. I'm just going to say that, you know, the slave owners. <laughs> I mean, nothing else comes to mind, and I think that's perfect. So it, it leaves an open door for those people just to say like, oh, you're, you're an eco-vegan? Well, we, uh, we put some solar panels on our farm, on our pig farm, and, uh, you know, we uh, turn our pig waste into fuel. So, you know, like, you're morally obliged to, to start, you know, exploiting these pigs again. And, and yeah, I mean, they're just, I think there's a lot of, uh, it's something I'm still learning about as well, you know, I should admit. But, but, but it is very important to change minds and change diets. And, I hear uh, you. I th think that's a great point. I never try to. First, first of all, I got to tell you that I, you know, like I say, and I keep saying this, and I'm probably going to say this when I'm 95. I'm new to all this, and I don't know. But that's just an <laughs> excuse. Sooner or later, I have to realize that no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, I am going to learn. But I will say that I don't need any biology lessons. I didn't need any history lessons. I didn't need any studies and diet. I didn't need any background in animal mm -hmm. factory farming to come to the realization in my soul, you know, in my heart that it was what we were doing was wrong. It's only all this other education came later because I was trying to talk to other people who weren't that way inclined in the beginning or I'm trying to talk to people who are coming up with arguments like humans need animal protein or we're going to die and or, you know, or things like that. But you don't need to be... It's a simple, basic um, realization that you can come to just if you listen to your conscience as a, you know, as, as, a, as a compassionate being. As you say, we have the power for compassion and you have a lot of hope, and as do I. And I think that that's a really important thing for people to realize, you know. Um, when we're up against arguments and we're, when we're on a debate and when we're, deba when we're debating agriculturalists or when we're debating um, sites, websites fueled by the animal industry trying 
going to say veganism causes malnutrition and stuff. Yeah, you need to yeah, be educated. Yeah, yeah. You need to be educated in that regard. But I had no knowledge of nothing when I went vegan. The reason I went vegan was because I finally realized that it was just, it was so wrong what we were doing to these animals. And I thought, I mean, it also did make logical sense that, you know, we were herbivores um, with our diet and everything like that. But like I said, and like Gary and I said in the interview, you know, even if it was unhealthy, I'd do it because that was what, that was what got me. And that's why I try to get people with that because all the other stuff comes later. I mean, it comes later. You educate yourself, you go out there and you educate yourself and you do it in your own diet anyway. But, you know, people can sit here and listen to me say, my skin has gotten really clear and I feel so healthy. And they just look at you like, oh, that's you or whatever. But if you speak to them from the heart, I think it really is the main. That's why I really, really think that it is important that more of us are pushing this ethical message. And I'm tired of hearing people saying it's it's too much for people. I mean, if you, you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the, um, it, all, the, all the science about it, like if you go into, I, I wrote an article about how there's a separate area of the brain that's reserved for like creativity and intelligence and building computers and whatever. And then there's the area of the brain which is totally unrelated and exactly the same between like an animal or a human and a cow. Different area of the brain. And I, and I showed how the one that's creativity and intelligence, that's, that's the one that evolved. Not the pain and like you know, creating like social settings and the, the near and dear things to being a social being that hasn't evolved. And so, you know, that's nice stuff, but is it, you know, it's just extra credit really. Like, especially the healthy thing, like the fact that veganism is, or at least can be if you're not eating like Pepsi and chips and stuff, you know, the, the fact that it is such a healthy diet, like that's it's really cool, but it's just extra credit. Like being, understanding animal rights you, you don't have to have a degree in anything to do that you know? yep that's that's the great thing about it for me as well and i can talk about this and i've been you know um i really like i say i just started talking about it without any knowledge of anything i'm still learning about all the facts so that when i do go out there and encounter these arguments i did learn a little bit from forums i, I don't do forums anymore it's just not my thing but you can learn a lot arguing with people on forums you know because you do your research so the guy posts a he, you know you're you're debating with Chuck or whatever his name is on the forum, right? And he says, well, you know, check out this link. And he sends you a link to, you know, scientists say that vegans are 10 times more likely to develop da-da-da-da-da, right? And then you go right. and say, right, oh, I, you know, and then you go and you do your research and you come back with your research and you, so you learn that way. Yeah, and look who's funded the study. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? right. Yeah, that's true. You and I, you know, we'll, we'll automatically, you know, we'll think that. But when it comes to talking to because what I'm trying to learn from people like you, like I love, I love the fact that you're doing the vegan news, vegan, you know, the TV show and things. And it's just sort of anybody can watch it. And um, because in the end, it's up to the individual. One of the beauties and the curses of what we're doing is it's up to the individual. And if somebody comes to me and says, I don't care what you say, I'm going to go have me a steak right now. And then I'm going to have some sausages and, you know, and there's nothing I can do to stop them. You know, I cannot stop them. They have to stop themselves. But then the beauty is that, that if they decide, if I just, if they just decide to do it, they can do it and nobody can stop them from stopping themselves. You know what I mean? So it's like, we're our own, it's, it's like nothing else on earth. It's like no other social movement in that way. Don't you agree? I mean, so well, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some uniquenesses between 
like like an animal rights movement and say civil rights movements or or non movements like just plain injustices like you know child rape and that sort of thing. Because we're all participating in what we're trying to stop, and it really is consumer based. That was the light bulb when I read that because nobody had ever told me that before. And let me say, when I went vegetarian, I didn't do it for. I don't even remember when I did. It was so unimportant. And never did anybody point out the incongruity to me. When I was vegetarian, I mean, I wasn't even a vegetarian because I ate fish and, you know, cheese and all that. But nobody came to me and said, hey, why are you vegetarian? Oh, well, I like animals. Well, did you know what happened in the dairy industry? Did you know that? Mm -hmm. Nobody did that. Um, to me at all. So I have a little bit of, I take exception to a lot of people who say, oh, you know, people aren't ready. Nobody's being told this. People aren't being told it nearly as much as they should be. And I think that when I I get upset with with the people who say veganism's too radical and we've got to tone it down and stuff, because I'm like, well, um, you know, but, but in reality, nobody has done it before to, to the scale that it needs to. So they don't even know what they're talking about. Or even the idea that like vegetarianism is much easier. So it's like, oh, we'll get them vegetarian and then they'll go vegan later, even though no one's asking them. Because I have the same story as you where I went vegetarian and nobody told me. Like, I I mean, I was, I was into PETA. I'm very embarrassed to say that, but I, I had the PETA brochures and I learned stuff from PETA and you're like, oh, vegetarian, vegetarian, vegetarian. And and (laughs) like, there may have been like one little page or there's like a footnote. It's like, oh, there's also this thing called vegan. But anyway, Mm -hmm. you know, like I, I, and I'll let me tell you, when I wrote to Peter and said, when I went on the website and, and subscribed or whatever, they didn't write back and say, hey, are you a vegan? If you care about animals, that's the first thing you should consider. It was like, donate money. And then they sent me all this stuff on this dog, this horrific story about a pet dog and how they were, you know, give money so that we can help the pet dogs. Well, now we know what they're doing with the dogs. Now we know <laughs> what they're doing, right? They're yeah. massacring yeah, them. Right. Yeah, they're whatever. massacring them. But never once did they even come to me as a vulnerable person who was writing to them saying I just saw earthlings um, I want to help and I was a vegan but they didn't know that and they didn't even bother to find out so even people who are reaching out to them aren't even being confronted with the hey you know in that state you know capitalizing on it it's not a matter of exploiting exploiting these people's sentiment you know sentimental values it's like let's take advantage of this moment when the person has realized something about the animals and say to them you should go vegan. Take advantage of that moment. If you're not even doing it at that time, who are the people? Why, how dare you even say that people aren't ready? You're not even trying. Not even with people who are so obviously ready. You know, I was, I was, um, you know, I was very, very horrified. I, I mean, there are people who see Earthlings and don't go vegan because nobody tells them. So they'll watch Earthlings and they'll go to Peter, and Peter will say, "Yeah, I know it's really bad." Go free range. You can support. You can support. You know, free range chickens. And you. So it's like, how dare you even? They're not. They're saying that we have no evidence. Well, you know why? Because there's never been this movement. Nobody's ever told these people. So what are you basing your opinions on? These people who say it's not going to work. Where are you getting your evidence from? Because you're not even doing it. They're not even telling people they should go vegan. Even people who are vulnerable and ready. You know. Mm-hmm. And I, I think PETA also is uh, is very responsible. I'm not just going to totally like slander PETA during this whole interview, but no, um, that that was my first experience in like the activist confusion because like PETA is all about those two like pseudo activism things. 
or usually pseudo-activism things, which is like the giving donations and just signing petitions. I should say it's pseudo-activism if that's like all you're doing and if you're just signing a petition because you read the title of it, you know, that, that sort of thing. But, um, and, and, you know, and what I tell people is that like anybody can be an activist. I've talked to people who have like uh, just driven themselves to poverty and donated money that they don't have, you know, that they just can't afford and they're donating it to HSUS and stuff because they're getting these emails and these promising pictures of like their money is, is like going through this little conversion machine and then it equals, it comes out as like a live animal had saved or something. And it's, it's like, if you can't afford to make donations to an organization, then don't. That's not, you really think that's the only way you can be active? And I can't blame you if you really think that is the only way you can be active. And, and the key to that is that if you can't open your wallet, open your schedule. Your time is very valuable to cause. Go out there, trap, neuter, and return some uh, you know, stray feral cats in your neighborhood. Or you know, if, you can, uh, if you have a printer or a pen or a mouth, <laughs> you know, go out there and just tell people. Yeah. You know, there's free pamphlets galore on the internet, you know, plenty of abolitionist pamphlets. You know, you can print those out. You can tell people, just have conversations with people, try to steer the conversation, you know, uh, gracefully <laughs> towards uh, um, animal rights and veganism and, and that sort of thing. And uh, you'll be very open that you are a vegan and you'll find that, um, you know, people start asking you about that thing and you can start conversations about that. And I think people are afraid of things like, well, I don't want to be a veg evangelist. Have you ever heard of that word, veg evangelist? No, but... Ugh. You probably know what that means, you know. Yes. Like that yes. sort of thing. I don't want to force my beliefs on people. Ugh. It's like, you know, if you're doing it the right way, you don't have to force your beliefs on people. Yeah, that's You right. just show them the beliefs they already have. And it's like what you were talking about, Elizabeth, is, is that you don't have to do... You don't necessarily have to do research or anything. You just have to look into your heart like... If you have just the least bit of explanation, you know, an alternative explanation about these things, and you can figure it out on your own, there's no like it, it just that that phrase drives me nuts. My blood goes up a temper like one degree um, Fahrenheit because I'm in the United States. Um, it goes up one degree, you know, when people say that, um, <laughs> which is like forcing your beliefs on people. Uh, that that's true, and that drives me nuts too as well. Okay, that was part one of my interview with Adam Kohanowitz from the National Vegan Examiner and Vegan FM, Vegan News, and AbolitionistVegans.org. Stay tuned for part two. Bye.